our sermon text today is from the book of Psalms, particularly Psalm 42 and 43. If you have a phone, you can Google Psalm 42 and 43. You can pull out a physical Bible, or you can also follow us on the bulletin. There is strong evidence that these two Psalms were meant to be read together. They are from the same author. They are dealing with similar subject and using similar language, which is why I chose to bring both of these psalms together. As a side note, the author here is of the <coughs> sons of Korah. If you know your Bible well, you, in the book of Numbers, Korah started a rebellion against Aaron and Moses, and because of that, God actually came, brought judgment upon him. The earth literally swallowed him up, by the grace of God, his sons received the mercy of God, and they became the temple guardians and musicians of the temple. So, it's a side note as we read God's holy word from Psalm 42 and 43. And before we begin, let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, would you open our eyes to see what you would have us to see from your word? I pray that not only the sermon itself, but even the reading would show forth your glorious truths, and that we would see the hope of the gospel in your Son, Jesus Christ, this morning. I pray this in his holy name. Amen. Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1, this is God's holy, inerrant word. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remembered as I poured out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. I pray to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? 
Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Mental health, depression, anxiety, therapy, self-care, these almost have become buzzwords in our culture. It's not without warrant because just within the past six years, prescriptions dealing with all these issues have risen by about 35%. And I don't need to give you statistics because just speaking about the audience here, some of us most likely struggle with these issues, whether it is depression, whether it is anxiety, whether it is something here. Yet we have this temptation when we talk about these issues that we, we treat it in a very contemporary way. We feel as if we are the first people to struggle with isolation, with depression, with negative emotions. Yet as far back thousands of years before us in the Old Testament, we see authors, particularly in the book of Psalms, that express feelings of abandonment, of isolation, of sorrow, of anxiety. In fact, the famous reformer John Calvin once famously described the book of Psalms as an anatomy of every part of our soul, meaning that every single one of our emotions is expressed in the Psalter. Because we have writers here who will put their worries into words, their emotions into expressions for us, and give us a picture of what it means for us as Christians to deal with these issues. Because today, not only do we see the same anxiety we face in our own life, but even in Psalm 42 and 43, we see the same solution to this anxiety. Again, we don't just see our same anxiety, but we also see the same solution to our anxiety. Because we don't really need to trouble ourselves over what the psalmist here, what the son of Korah is trying to tell us. We don't need to think about the troubles and worries that he has. He is very upfront about what the cause of his anxiety is. Look at verse 1, verse 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? 
<clears throat> and you hear those words and you say, what's the problem here? I, I can turn on Spotify and start worship music for myself. I can worship God wherever I am just by opening up my Bible. What is preventing you from just breaking down and worshiping God? It's important here to put our psalm in the period in which it is set, because this is the Old Testament. And so much of worship for believers back then was not tied to a personal time with Spotify, but it was tied to the temple. It was tied to other Israelites. It was tied to the sacrifices and the worship that took place in the temple. In fact, the, the language here that we read won't go exhaustively through, but you might have noticed there's language here that most likely placed the author in exile. He is across the Jordan. He is not in the promised land, let alone would he be allowed to enter into the temple, whether even the temple is there to begin with. That this author longs to worship God yet cannot properly give worship to him, which is the frustration. It is the ruminations of his heart. It is the cause of his anxiety that starts this psalm. In fact, he's very clear, not only the cause, the source, but then there are several circumstances in which this cause comes from. Because first, not only can he not worship in the temple, but these anxieties, they are outward. From him. They are circumstances happening outside of him. Look at verse 3. What does he say in verse 3? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And in our own culture, you, you may hear the sting of that rebuke, that, that taunt there, because when we hear that in our culture, we want to set it belief versus unbelief, Christianity versus atheism, the, the mocking that you may see when you turn on TikTok and see Abraham Piper give all the reasons that Christians are stupid, why a biblical concept of God is ridiculous, all these reasons to mock and ridicule Christianity. Yet, for this time, for the psalmist, it wasn't unbelief versus belief. It was one religion versus another religion. <clears throat> It was one God versus another God. As we said, the psalmist is most likely in exile here. He is among foreigners. And they could see his situation, his circumstances, are most likely coming to him, saying, if Yahweh is that great, then why are you among us? If Yahweh is that great, wouldn't he be the first one that can bring you out of exile? In fact, if anything, it seems like your God is pretty weak, to be honest. Where is your God, O psalmist? Today, you may feel the same weight of that. You may have neighbors, you may have met people on the street. I know Will and I, as we have done street evangelism, we have felt that where we are considered antiquated, bigoted, even hateful for talking about basic things about scripture. You may, even with family, they may look at you weird for looking at a book thousands of years old for being your rule of life. That even though there are different circumstances, 
we face the same taunting, the same mocking, the same ridicule in our own life. We live in different times, yet we are in the same circumstances. We have the same outward anxiety that faces us. But it's not just that this psalmist faces outward anxiety. He also faces upward anxiety. It's not just that he's dealing with outward pressures of different religions, but he's even facing problems with God himself. Because you you see this regularly in the Psalms, and it comes out here too. Just take verse 9 as one example. Look at verse 9. What does he say? I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? It's one thing to face pressure with people that don't even believe that Yahweh exists. It's another thing to feel abandoned by God himself, to feel rejected, to feel as if God does not even care about me. Because have you reached that moment in your own life? Have you reached a moment in your own prayer life where you say things like, God, are you even listening to me? God, do you even care about me? God, could you even love me after what I just did? Have you even felt as if you're not allowed to express those emotions? Like, that's off the table when you're praying to God, that you have to go through the acts to adore him, to confess your sins, to thank God for what he's done, and to give a couple of supplements, to make requests to God? You don't feel like you can give out your heart to express these hard emotions when you pray? Because we, we see when we read the Psalms that they are perfectly willing to make these protests with God, to not treat it as an exam, as just checking off the list all these attributes of how it is I pray. They are willing to be unabashed, unafraid, for lack of a better word, raw before their God. Not only do we see anxiety that is happening outside of him, not only do we see anxiety that's happening above him with his relationship with God, but finally, and what I would say is the chief concern for our psalmist here, his anxiety is coming from within himself. Because that refrain you heard three times, again and again and again, just look at 42 verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? You see what he's doing here. I'm sure you've done it in your own life. Have you ever talked to yourself? <laughs> have you ever have a running dialogue going through your mind where you're, you're going either through the grocery list, you're going through your day. Sometimes it's just what you said in kindergarten decades ago that you still cannot get over. <laughs> And you're holding against yourself? Because that's exactly what the psalmist is doing here. He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? So often our anxiety in life is not from people around us. It's not the heat that happens around us. It's not a struggling with God. So often the anxiety comes from ourselves. 
our own ruminations, our own fixations, our own obsessions. In fact, you, you know how to describe anxiety. Pa- Pastor DeYoung, he says that anxiety is living out the future before it even gets here. It's trying to make a game plan, figure out the problems, figure out every hypothetical what-if scenario that could possibly come of any situation. And there's a Mad TV skit. I don't know if you've ever watched the old show, Mad TV, but there's a skit with the comedian Bob Newhart, who is a therapist. And Bob Newhart has a client come in who is absolutely terrified that she's going to be buried alive in a box. She's so terrified by this, she can't get in a car. She can't go through tunnels. She can't enter houses. She can't enter anything that feels boxy to her. And this great therapist, Bob Newhart, within three minutes has a full counseling session with her. Two words to get over her anxiety. Stop it. S-T-O-P it. In fact, he even gives her a reason You don't want to go through life being afraid of being buried in a box, do you? That sounds awful. But we laugh at Bob Newhart. Do you ever find yourself when you're counseling other people, other Christians, that your counsel for anxiety kind of sounds like him? That you just quote what Jesus said in Matthew 6, be anxious for nothing. Paul says us, tells us to be anxious for nothing. You just need to stop it, to get over it. In fact, do you, even, you don't need someone else to tell you that. Maybe you struggle with anxiety yourself. And that's the counsel to get over your anxiety, is to just get over it, to stop thinking about it. And yet when we do that, especially for people that struggle with anxiety, you know that just sends you through the feedback loop you know that you want to stop being anxious. You tell yourself the Bible verse. Bob Newhart told me to stop it, and yet I can't stop it, which causes me more anxiety. So I'm going to keep being anxious. I'm going to keep being worried about this, which is going to cause more anxiety and make me more upset over my situation. And if anything, it's just causing more anxiety in my life. If anything, the psalm of our heart is to just keep asking that question of verse 5 again and again and again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Sometimes we treat our anxieties as if the thoughts themselves, in and of themselves, without exception, that's the sin we need to be dealing with. But the key and the answer to anxiety here, the problem of Psalm 42, 43, and all these passages of anxiety, it's not the anxious thoughts themselves that are the problem. It's what the people do with them. Again, our issue with anxiousness is not in and of itself the problem, but what we do with them. They're willing to be raw, as we said, the psalmist. They are willing to express their anxieties and worries, but they're always directing it to someone. Because we see 
the problem of anxiety. But we also see from Psalm 42 and 43 the answer to our anxieties today. We've seen that they come from outside, the people around us. They see it comes from God himself. We see that it's so often anxiety is in our own hearts. Yet today we finally see the answer to that because, again, look at verse 5. You notice the fact I didn't say the whole verse. He doesn't just stop with himself. Read verse 5 again with me. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Even look to verse 43, we haven't, or chapter 43, we, we haven't been dealing with that too much, yet is the same subject, but he's no longer just dealing with his emotions. Now he's just straight up giving pleas to God. He's saying to vindicate me, to defend my cause. He is one who's going to, he's telling God to send his light, his truth. In fact, even going beyond this, not only this, who is he calling God but his rock, his refuge, his exceeding joy, the God of his life? In fact, reading that final verse in verse 43, it's tempting to read that final verse, the same way the psalmist has been saying it again and again. It is filled with anxiety. It is filled with trepidation, lack of confidence. Yet with all of these words of Psalm 43, where is God who's bringing the psalmist out of exile back to the temple, that Psalm 43 is actually a psalm filled with hope, filled with the promises that God has not abandoned the psalmist. If anything, we should read verse 5 of 43 with confidence and boldness, where he's actually saying to himself, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Today you may fill your mind with negative self-talk. Your mind may be filled with anxieties and worries and scenarios about what-if situations that are going on in your life. <clears throat> and you may be tempted to fall into the Bob Newhart skit where you constantly either you're telling other people to just get over it or you tell yourself to just stop thinking about it and you go through that feedback loop again and again never really getting over and working through these anxieties. In fact, going beyond just anxious thoughts, the problem might not be anxiety. The problem might just be the self-talk in your mind where you're the first person to say to yourself, you're an idiot. You, who could ever love someone that would do something like that? That is the stupidest thing I've ever seen anyone done in my life. And you're the first person to constantly tell yourself that again and again and again. And I'm not speaking from lack of experience here. <laughs> I'm not speaking as a pastor that has not dealt with self-talk himself. Even a person that has dealt with anxiety and will check his car 
30 every for three times in 30 minutes because he might have left the windows open and it might start raining. Yet, the problem we so often face is we just want to ask ourselves that question, why are you cast down, O my soul? And we want to beat ourselves up again and again and again. And yet, the psalmist here, he doesn't just deal with his anxiety, but he puts his anxiety in its proper context, which is so often the key for what we need to be doing. We're not pretending as, as if these anxious thoughts aren't there. We're not in denial of what's going on, burying our heads in the sand. We are acknowledging this negative self-talk. And yet we just ask ourselves that question. Why am I cast down over this? Not obsessing over that question, but just genuinely asking ourselves. Second, not only do we put our anxiety in its proper context, just as the psalmist did, But as we see throughout the Psalms, we direct them to someone, not to our friends, not to those around us, although that can often be helpful, but we direct them to God himself. He's willing to struggle with his anxiety. He's willing to struggle with his circumstances, his, for what we've said, his negative self-talk. Yet who does he say God is? It is God my rock. It is God, my exceeding joy, God, the one in whom I take refuge, God of my life. Even in the darkest of psalms, Psalm 88, the darkest psalm is still addressed to the God of his salvation. You would would never find any psalm. In fact, all of the psalms are continually directed to God. And so often we want to keep these thoughts to ourselves and never bring them back to God who cares about us. In fact, we could argue the fact that the entire book of Psalms is just outworking the one verse in the New Testament to cast all our cares and anxieties on God because he cares about us. Finally, put them in their context We turn to God who cares about us. But as Christians today who struggle with anxiety, depression, whatever it is, you maintain hope. Because you see where the psalmist is. We've said he's in exile. He's in a foreign land. He's being mocked and taunted. He feels rejected by God with his inward feelings. He's unable to worship God in the temple. That is the very instigating cause is he just wants to worship Yahweh, be in the presence of God. But by the end, he has hope and confidence, not in himself, but in God, who is going to be the one to bring him back to the altar of God, to bring him back to the holy hill, the God who is his salvation, and the God that will bring him out of exile. He continues, even though the world seems to be falling apart in his life, it is not wishful thinking on his part. It is a firm confidence that Old Testament believers had while in exile that the God that they worship did not abandon them, but would be the very people to bring them out of exile 
and back into proper worship of God. And if that is true, if that is the God who is able to bring the Israelites back into the land, back to the temple, how much more is it true of the same God that today has given his own son, Jesus Christ, the one who died in, the, in our place for sin, the second Moses who brings us out more than just physical exile, but spiritual exile from our own bondage and slavery to sin. Today, you may struggle with anxiety, with depression, with that self-talk in your head. Yet the gospel itself gives you the hope today that when you're putting your trust in the Savior Jesus Christ, no matter what your feelings tell you about yourself, you have the God who you can turn to who speaks to you and says that you are his child. You are an heir of his kingdom. You are righteous in his sight. You are an adopted family member of the household of God. So in closing today, Hope Church, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we so often are weak and doubting Christians. We are so often people that are more characterized in our own mind by our sin, by our struggles, by the issues that plague our minds day in and day out. And yet, we have a picture here of the psalmist. Despite his circumstances, despite his feelings of hopelessness, that he continues to turn to you, to have his hope based in you, not wishfully hoping for a better life, but knowing that you have made promises to him. And how much more have you given that, not only through your son, Jesus Christ, who has died on behalf of sinners, but you have given that to your children today. So we truly do not have to be anxious for anything. You are the God who takes care of the lilies of the valley. You are the God who takes care of the ravens of the field. That we can seek first your kingdom today and know that everything else will be added unto us. Pray that we would trust in these promises for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.